Hallelujah. God's good. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Did you come to receive today? Yes. Praise the Lord. Well, glory to God. If you did, praise God. Turn with me, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 4, please. Ephesians chapter 4. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Common verse I'm going to start with today because of what I have in mind. Um, we have, uh, over the last, I don't know what it's been, probably uh, maybe a couple months now, I don't know, or at least, you know, six weeks or something, we've been talking about some things about just continuing to move forward, to finish what we're called to finish, to run this race like we're supposed to. Kind of been taking a little bit of a, a angle on this thing, trying to deal with casualness, complacency, ease, because we're seeing it so rampant in the body of Christ right now. Everybody's just, you know, due to everything that's gone on, everybody's backing up, everybody's kind of honkering down and not uh, moving forward in God like they should, just getting a little bit too casual. Look at your neighbor and say, not me. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. The Word warns us about that. And so uh, what, uh, what I've been doing is... Um, Every week just talking about things that maybe keeps us going down the right road and uh, hopefully to finish this thing like we're supposed to. How many know it's more important how you finish this thing? Now, praise God for how you got started. Some of you got some great starts. Praise God. Amen. But what matters is how you're going to finish it. Praise God. Amen. And so that's the idea. That's what we're uh, uh, working towards. Praise the Lord. So Ephesians chapter 4. Hallelujah. And I'm going to... Look at, uh, just to start this thing, verse 27 says, uh, nor give place to the devil. That's an easy verse. You could memorize that in a matter of a few seconds. Look at your neighbor and say, don't give place to the devil. Now, if it says, don't give place to the devil, what does that also imply? That you could give place to the devil. There's another thing that applies too, but it does imply that there is the, op the option or the opportunity for you uh, to give place to the enemy, all right? And that's why he's talking to the church. Uh, there's a bunch more said in this text, and we'll back up here in a minute and read something, but let's define a few things first. It'll be necessary for where we're going today. Uh, the word here, to give, as in to give place, let me back this down, I feel like I'm popping real loud, is that right? Let me bring it down here, does that help? Praise the Lord. The word to give, when it says to give place, it means to grant or yield. It means literally to submit, to give consent, or to give power to. So when we're talking about giving place to the enemy, then we have made the choice. We have given consent, power, or we've yielded to or, uh, you know, have, have submitted to. Now, the word's real clear, and... James 4 and 7 says we're called to submit to God, and we're called to resist the enemy. Am I right? Now, what it's saying here is there's the option or the opportunity that you could do the reversal of that. You could submit yourself to the enemy at times, and by doing that, now you're resisting God. Okay, and that's what we're going to, as we get into this today, you're going to see that, and it's pretty plain. All right, so as you submit to God, amen, and resist your enemy, the word's real clear that the enemy will then will flee. Well, what happens is if you're giving him place, you've submitted yourself to the enemy. 
Well, if you're submitted to the enemy, he ain't going to flee. Because you've, you've given consent. Now, you may have done it unknowingly. You may have said, you know, you may have got up in the morning and, and you know, had no idea that you've given power to the enemy or you've submitted yourself to the enemy. So I'm not saying that, you know, you got up and said, you know what, today I'm going to submit myself to the devil. Probably no Christians are saying that. Well, there might be a couple I've wondered about, but most do not say that kind of stuff. And so it's more about, you know, just we not realizing that we've given consent or power unto the enemy uh, through some choices or decisions that we've made. All right. And so it says to give place. Let's go back to that Ephesians 4.27. And the word place here is topos, okay, which uh, uh, like... uh, um, topos, uh, there's a, a topo map or whatever. I don't know if I'm saying that right. There's like maps that are topographic and all that kind of stuff. That's where we get that word or we use that word uh, is a Greek word, topos, which means a ground, a place, a setting, an entrance. It also refers to things like opportunities, okay? Uh, you give opportunity or give uh, maybe another word is the advantage, okay? is another word in there. Uh, So to give consent, to uh, submit, to give power uh, for the enemy to have place, to have a foothold, to have an entrance, to have, uh, you know, a ground in your life, okay? And so it may not mean that you're giving, giving him everything about your life, but you're giving him a place. You're giving him ground, okay? You're, you're giving him an entrance, into an area. Are you still with me? So you could have every other area working great and submitted unto God, but that one area or those couple areas in your life, you've opened a door to where the enemy now has entrance. Still with me? So this is what it's talking about in this text here. It's giving him place or an entrance, all right? Uh, Put the uh, reference John 14 up there, if you will. Um, I just kind of wrote this and we'll kind of move on. But this is what Jesus said. I will no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. Everybody say, he has nothing in me. So what Jesus is talking about, he has no place in me. The enemy has no foothold. All right, so Jesus made sure the enemy had no place. All right, that's why you could say he has nothing in me. Look at your neighbor and say, he ain't going to have nothing in me. I'm talking about the enemy here, okay? Okay, so uh, the scriptures also bring out, praise God, that the enemy could have an advantage in your life. 2 Corinthians 2, let's go ahead and throw that up just real quick. Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices, okay, which is going to probably be a thing we we'll, might touch on here today, uh, talking about the head games and the, uh, the mental traps that the enemy tries to put on you. See, if you're, if you're ignorant of his devices, the word is real clear, then the enemy has an advantage. Everybody say advantage. So when we're talking about not giving the enemy place. We're not giving him an advantage. We're not giving him a foothold. All right? Let's put uh, Luke, uh, uh, is it Luke 4, I believe it is? Put that reference up there. Uh, now, when the devil had ended every temptation, talking about to Jesus, said he departed from him until an opportune time. Now, how many know he never got an opportune time with Jesus? Come on, somebody. See, he never gave that. He, see, he had nothing in him. See, the only way the enemy had anything, had any, any grip on, on Jesus was when he was ready to lay down his life. 
And then he did that deliberately. Are you still with me? Now, I read all of them real quick, just kind of shoot out there, that the opportunities are there the, uh, to give the enemy place, to give him an advantage, to give him an opportune moment in our life somewhere or another. And, and that's what the enemy's always looking for. He's always looking for an entrance. Are you with me? Now, I'm not trying to, you know, make anybody nervous. I'm just saying you've got to be aware of this stuff. You know, we just move along with life sometimes, and then what happens is we've given the enemy place here, and we've given him place here, and we've given him place here, and then all of a sudden we're spinning our wheels. All of a sudden we're not moving forward in God. All of a sudden it's uh, the temptation to not finish is there. Come on, somebody. All because we've given the enemy place in areas of our life. You with me? All right, so let's back to Ephesians 4. Let's back up here in this chapter a little bit. Okay, there's a lot been said in here, but we want to kind of pri- take the probably more of the, the main focus here. Uh, verse 17 says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. Now, remember, this is talking to the church, so it's real clear that you know, he's saying here that, that obviously the temptation is there for you to continue to walk as a Gentile. Now, the word Gentile just means, means he without God. Okay, so at one time you were a Gentile. Come on. Now, the, Jew, uh, the Jewish uh, people might, be already, might refer to you as a Gentile, but in God you're not a Gentile. You're no longer, because you've been grafted in, you're now a part of the family of God, so you're no longer a child of, uh, you know, of, of the enemy, you're a child of God. See, you're no longer one without God, you're now one with God. So this is a word to you and me, uh, not only to the church in Ephesus, but now it's been recorded for you and me to take hold of, and he says that we're no longer to walk like we used to walk. But it says in the futility of our mind, Okay, which is a word that means uh, inutility or depravity or ineffectiveness. It literally means incapable of producing a right result. But you notice it's the futility of your mind. Everybody say your mind. Because this is kind of a key thing through all this whole text here. Okay, what you're doing with your mind. Okay, so verse 18, having their understanding, okay, darkened. Having their understanding. So again, we're talking about the mind, what's going on with the mind, having their understanding darkened, okay, understanding darkened. So remember now he's talking, remember this is how the, the this is what the, the world or the church, or probably the Gentile, uh, you know, they're, they're, uh, they have a certain way they walk because of the futility of their mind, because of the, uh, their understanding has been darkened, but it says that you can walk in the same thing. So even though you've got the greater one on the inside, even though you've got the access to all the spiritual weaponry that you could possibly have in God, the Word of God, the Spirit of God, the grace of God. Come on now, the presence of God. And you could still have your understanding darkened. And then it says being alienated from the life of God. I'll come back to that. Because of the ignorance that is in them. Because of the blindness of their heart. Okay, now again, it's talking about the Gentile, those without God, and it says because of the way they think, they're alienated from the life of God. The word alienated, you know, we've talked about that many times from behind this pulpit. It means a non-participant. 
So because of their way of thinking, they're a non-participant of all the life that God has for them. So the text is saying that you too could walk in that. You could become an uh, an become a non-participant of the life of God based on how you think. And it goes on and starts talking more, but it's threaded throughout the whole text all the way down there to verse 27. It's talking about basically how you think. Are you thinking thoughts from above or are you thinking like the world? Because that's where we give the enemy place. At least in this text. There's other things, but this text we're talking about where we put this mind. What we're going to think about. Are you with me? Am I boring you? So, what we're going to think about is going to determine whether we're going to give place to God or place to the enemy. I would prefer to be a participant of the life of God. That's that word life is zoe, so absolute life. So all the life, the abundant life, the life of God, amen, that, that, that zoe life that's promised to you and me in the word of God, amen. Jesus said you can have life and life more abundant, right? Come on, somebody. That's the life he's talking about. You can be a participant or you can be alienated or a non-participant based on what you sit and think about. Still with me? Now, I'm taking it slow on purpose. All right. All right. Let's look at a, another text here. Let's look at Proverbs 23. I'm going to come back to the New Covenant here in a minute. Proverbs 23, 6 and 7, please. In fact, let me go ahead and turn to it. <clears throat> it says this, verse 6 and 7, Do not eat the bread of a miser. Um, now, the word miser means a manipulator. If you look that word up, it just means a manipulator nor desires delicacies, okay, in other words, what he has to offer you, okay? For he thinks, for as he thinks, pardon me, as he thinks in his heart, so, he, so is he. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. In other words, he's just trying to, he's saying what he has to say to try to manipulate you. Are you getting this? But it says, as he thinks, in other words, as that manipulator thinks in his heart, so he is or so he exists or Uh, You know, so he lives. That's how he conducts. He lives that way because that's the way he thinks. It's not real deep. It's just just the fact. He manipulates because he thinks he has to to move forward. He manipulates because he thinks that's the only way he's going to get by. He manipulates because he thinks... That's the only way anything's ever going to work out for him unless he manipulates. Are you still with me? Now, my story today and my message today is not about a manipulator. Look at your neighbor and say, praise the Lord. But it's about how he thinks. How he thinks in his heart. One translation say, thinks within. What it's talking about here as he thinks within is referring to predominant thoughts. So he says, in his heart or in the core or within himself. See, it's talking about, it's pretty deep. It's embedded in there. It's not just a, a passing thought. It's something that's embedded in there. That's what it's referring to. Okay, he's, he's thought this way for a long time. It's a, it's, a, it's a predominant thought within him. 
all right? You know, a lot of times thoughts come. And like Brother Hagin used to say, he says, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, thoughts are like, you know, birds that fly overhead. You know, uh, they, you can't stop the birds from flying over your head, but you can stop them from nesting in your hair. See, so what we're talking about is not just that stuff that just flies by real quick. We're talking about that stuff that you're allowing to nest because it becomes now a predominant thought. And now you begin to conduct life and live life, or so he is, or so he exists. Come on, somebody, all right? So he lives life. Come on now. So he becomes, it also means, all right? As one's thoughts go. So goes one's life. So if we sit here and we allow something, we meditate on something long enough, pretty soon that begins to determine how you're going to live. And if it's, a, if it's if a thought that's not coming from above, then it is, you know, if you allow that and you meditate on that long enough, pretty soon you're conducting life and you have words, you have actions, you have choices, you have decisions that all come out of what you sit and think about. All of it comes out of that. And so what we're talking about here, if we have thoughts that are coming from a wrong source, if the wrong spirit is breathing into you, and then you take that and you begin to chew on that, meditate on that, you know, chew on it like an old cow on a cud. about how gross it is we sit here and chew on something we got no business chewing on come on we swallow it down it comes back up because it's meant to come back up because it should probably come back up that'd be a good thing just to spit come on somebody say pastor you're getting a little graphic amen but we take it back we chew on it some more to the point that now it becomes a part of us now it becomes a predominant thought, and now all of a sudden we're now living or existing or becoming as we think. Now this particular word think in this text of Proverbs 23, uh, the word think means to, uh, let's see, where are we at here? Here we go. It means to estimate, think, or to, literally means to split or to open a door or gate. That's what it means. It literally means to act as a gatekeeper or a door keeper, which means that when you're talking about thinking, it's always about a choice, and we're going to see that, uh, you know, the rest, we're going to primarily hang out in the new covenant here uh, for the rest of the service, but uh, primarily anyway, but, but the bottom line is, it's always a choice what you think about. You don't have to meditate on that. See, you're the doorkeeper. You're the one, you're the gatekeeper. You're the one that determines what you're going to let in and what you're not going to let in. Now, we're not denying the existence of all kinds of stuff going on, all kinds of stuff being, uh, you know, fed to you every day. There's good, there's bad, there's ugly. Come on, somebody. There's all kinds of stuff going on. There's all kinds of things to make you mad, all kinds of things to make you sad, all kinds of things to make you depressed, all kinds of things to make you offended, all kinds of things that are coming at you every day that you could take in that could create, come on, a wrong word, wrong action, wrong choice, wrong decision. 
But you're the gatekeeper. You're the door, you're the doorkeeper. See, as he thinks in his heart, what he allows to come in is going to determine how he conducts life. Still with me? Turn with me, if you will, to Romans 8. Have I ever told you how much I love Romans 8? All right, Romans 8. Now, I have a, a little story. My wife shared part of this on, I think, Monday um, um, about uh, the dog in my truck. You ever that jumped in my truck? Have you all heard that one? No? Some of you haven't? Okay. Let's see if I can do this in a quick way. Um, years ago, probably, I don't know, eight, nine years ago, something like that, uh, I, I bought a truck and, and um, uh, bought it, you know, uh, kind of a stripped-down model, but I bought it with the intention I was going to do a couple things to it and kind of personalize it. And one of the things I wanted to do was I was going to change the interior in it. And so there was a company that did that that still allowed it to come under the warranty and all that kind of stuff. So I agreed to do that. I thought this would be a great thing to do. So I did that. Never done it before. I thought this would be wonderful. So I did this. This company comes out to my house and uh, took, pulled out my seats and, and re, re, took the, fat, the, the, the cloth off and put the leather package on and uh, made it look super cool. Beige. Because it was a diamond white truck, that tricolor, and looked sharp. Once I got all my stuff on it, looked good. Interior looked good. So all great. The guy came out, got it all done. It was a Saturday afternoon. He was all done. I, I ministered in the prison that night, so I got uh, uh, got my slacks, got my jacket on, and uh, I hopped in the truck, pulled on out of there, heading out uh, down the lane, stopped at the end of the lane to get the mail, and I left my door open. And I went out to my mailbox, opened up my mailbox, and I'm hearing somebody, shut the door. I'm like, what? Shut the door. And so I noticed down there's a, a lady and her daughter walking up the street. And I'm like, who's she talking to? Shut the door. And I'm like, me? I Shut the door! I'm like, what the heck are you talking? I'm like, woman? And then about that time, I heard this, boom, 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 boom. And here come this big old dog that obviously was their dog that had been running out in the woods out here, and it was muddy from top to bottom. And when I saw that dog, I realized what she was talking about. And I tried to get around my truck to shut that door, but it was too late. In my truck, it went. Now, mind you, I didn't get from the garage. I haven't even been on the street yet. It was a dog from hell, I'm telling you. So it shot into my truck and by the time I got around I'm going oh my god it just 
paw prints everywhere. And it thought, I was trying to get him out, and he jumps down on the floorboard on the other side. And so I, I go around the other side, and by this time, the lady and her daughter are up there, and they're trying to help get the dog out of my truck. I open up the door, and so he thought we're playing a game now. So over the seat he goes, into the back seat. And I go open up the back door, trying to, and he runs back into the front seat. And I'm, I'm running around. Now i got all four doors open. We're doing, and by this time, I'm like, am I really saved? <laughs> and the two ladies are like embarrassed and and feeling horrible, and I finally hooked that dog by the throat, and I drug him out, and I shut, went around and shut my doors, and the, the lady goes, if you had a towel, I could help you clean it, and I just said, just go, just go, so needless to say, I should have shut the door. Look at your neighbor and say, shut the door. <laughs> See, sometimes, sometimes, you know, I'm trying to tell you, shut the door. Okay, but, but, but what are you talking about? You, what? Why? Shut the door. Ah, couldn't be talking to me. Shut the door. Don't let those thoughts in. Don't sit here and chew on that. Come on, shut the door. Look at your neighbor and say, shut the door. See, you're the gatekeeper. You're the doorkeeper. What you let, that, let it open to, what you close it to is up to you. It's your choice. Now, remember, the pastor's in a jacket, slacks, and I'm staring at a mud mess on, was it beige? What color is it? Beige. I got so many paw prints. And mud everywhere. And so I'm thinking, how am I even going to sit in here to get it back to the garage to clean it? So I found some little rag, and I set it on the seat, and I kind of sat on it, trying not to get mud all over my clothes, put it in reverse, and just kind of backed it up to my garage, got out, went and got whatever cleaners. I didn't, I didn't have a clue even what do, you, what do you clean this with. But I started with water, and I just started. The point is this. I mean, sometimes life can be such a chaotic mess. And if you were to just shut the door, if you would just shut the door, but you're too busy chewing on it and then regurgitating it and chewing on it some more and chewing on it some more, and then you wonder why life gets so chaotic why you got issues in home and issues in your family, issues in your marriage, issues in your finance, issues in your health. And most of the time it comes down, what are you meditating on? What are you thinking about? Listen, we again, I, I cannot stress it enough, we are not denying the existence of all that mess out there that is trying to consume your thinking. But you still have a choice of what you're going to chew on, what you're going to meditate on. Romans 8 and verse 5, it just says this, 
Hallelujah. Let me get to it, I guess. Are you still with me or not? Look at your neighbor and say, shut the door. Romans 8, 5 says, for those who live, conduct life, their actions, their behavior, according to the flesh or the natural, okay, natural things, okay. The reason they live that way is because they've set their minds on the things of the flesh or the natural, which means to aim one's affection, the word set, means to exercise, entertain, or interest the mind. It means to be mindful of something. Again, we're not talking about just a quick passing thought. We're talking about something now that's a predominant thought. Amen. You're now entertaining it. You've set your mind on it. Are you with me? But see, if you set your mind on the wrong thing, it says now you start living according to it, saying the same thing we read there in Proverbs. Okay? If you then, it says, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. In other words, they've set their minds on the things of the Spirit. So if you're going to live by the Spirit or live by the natural, it's going to be dependent on what you're going to sit and think about, what you're going to set your mind on. Still with me? It's amazing, but it, it doesn't take long. I mean, you, you know, I mean, I could be driving in my truck down the road and be happy as all get out and read one thing on a billboard, and next thing you know, about two miles down the road, I'm ticked at everybody. Because I allowed something in and started chewing on and meditating on something because of that. That thing always makes me mad. That thing always upsets me. Yes, I do. Never mind. Leave that alone, sir. Leave me alone. In my flesh moment. Now, sometimes just stuff, it just it aggravates you. So pretty soon, if you don't watch it, see... You start setting a mind, pretty soon you've opened the door, you're letting something in, the next thing you know, you're not thinking happy thoughts. Not thinking God thoughts. Thoughts from above, that's why uh, Colossians 3 says, set your mind on things above, not on things of this earth. Now when, when Paul wrote that, he knew there's a lot of things on the earth you could set your mind on. But he said, set your mind up here. Now, that doesn't exempt you. It doesn't mean you act like everything down here doesn't happen or doesn't exist. That's not what he's talking about. You see, you know, to set your mind on, on higher things doesn't mean you go around saying, this does not exist, this does not exist, this does not exist, this does not exist. No, it all exists. It's there. It's in your face. Okay, but you choose what you're going to meditate on. All right, Romans 8 again, verse 6 this time. It says, for to be carnally minded or fleshly minded or naturally minded, it's death. It leads to death. It's talking about chaos and death and, and ruin. Come on. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So in other words, both of them determines what roads you're going to get on by what you sit and set or by what you set your mind on. Still with me? Okay, so you, you determine... Okay, where are you going to go? Which road are you going to get on? Okay, life and peace, Zoe life, the word peace, uh, arena, okay, which is uh, the word shalom in the Hebrew, but means wholeness, completeness. In other words, absolute life and completeness, wholeness, nothing missing, nothing broken. How do I get on that road? Everybody wants on that road. It says that there's a way to get on that road. How you get on that road is you're going to have to purpose to set your mind on things above. 
if you don't do that, then you're going to get on this other road. And it says it's a road of death. It means ruin, destruction, chaos. Okay? So shut the door. Look at your neighbor and say, shut the door. Don't let that mess in. See, purpose to let the things from above to get in. Do what it takes. Now listen, your pastor, there's no condemnation. There's no guilt. Man, we've all been here. I wanted to kill that dog. I wanted to kill that dog. Even with my nice clothes on. And I didn't. Praise the Lord. We have other thoughts, things we have to deal with. But anyway, the point is this. See, we're not denying all this stuff going on. We're just saying, listen, you got to have to purpose that no matter what's going on around you, that you're going to say, you know what? I choose to think on things above and then on things of this earth. Praise God. So no matter what's going on, praise God, I choose the mind of Christ. Hallelujah. I choose to lay that down, cast that down. I choose to look forward, praise God, and look up, praise God. Because that's the God in whom I trust, the one in whom I serve. Come on, somebody. The one who meets my needs, the one that heals my body, the one that delivers me. Come on, somebody. He's the one. Hallelujah. My source. Hallelujah. He's the one I'm looking to. He's the one I'm going to meditate on. Hallelujah. Verse 7. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. In other words, it fights against God. For it is not subject to the law or the principles of God, nor indeed can be. I, I, to me, I just like there's just so much in that verse. It's like, he's like, you know, don't buffalo yourself into thinking you're going to operate in the things of God when you're too busy thinking on the wrong stuff. He says, you, you're, you're, you're fighting enmity, you're fighting against God, and it says you're not even subject to the principles of the law of God. You can't even operate right because your mind's in the wrong place. He said, nor indeed can be, it won't happen. You could say, I'm going to think on whatever I want to think because that's my playland. That I, nobody knows what I'm thinking about. Nobody knows I can think on whatever I want to think about and think you're going to get on the road of life and peace. It ain't going to happen. And somewhere along the line, the wrong stuff is going to come out. It is inevitable. So, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. your neighbor say I need help <laughs> look at your neighbor say would you help me close my door <laughs> yeah we well, got to close the door on some of this stuff all right now here we go for though we walk in the flesh in other words hey it's out there you're in it here you are you're in the world but you're not of it right Though we walk in the flesh, we're in the natural. Here, it's here. Okay? It says we don't war according to the flesh. In other words, our, our, our war is not, it's not to do it like everybody else out in the world does it. That's why that earlier reference we did in Ephesians there, he's talking about, listen, don't, don't walk like, like you used to walk. It's different now. You're a different individual now. You got, you got, you got, you know, the, the greater one on this. You got weaponry now that, that, that you didn't have back then, but you got now. 
So you don't have to, you know, go down that same road you used to go down. Verse 4, please. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not fleshly. Not natural things we're talking about here. But it's mighty in God for, here we go, pulling down strongholds. Strongholds. It means something fortified. But it's referring to mindsets. Okay? Okay? Mindsets. Or to, uh, you know, a mindful it refers to. So things that are locked in. Somehow things have somehow uh, taken root. Somehow have a somewhat of a foundation under it. It's been there a while. Okay? In other words, it's, an, it's, it's a thought, a predominant thought, something that has been, been there for a, a while. With me? Verse 5. Casting down arguments, reasonings, and every high thing, all these things that try to exalt itself against the knowledge of God. It literally means that which tries to exalt above whatever God's talking to you about. It tries to exalt above it. Whatever God's trying to do, it tries to somehow raise itself above it. Now, I'm going to come back to that in a second. Bringing every thought. This is how it's summed up. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Every thought, which means, see, says the same thing. You have the choice of what you're going to think about. That thought comes, it's here, you look at it, you go, okay, is that of God, is it not of God? Well, that's not something I want to think about, so you cast it down. You look at that, it comes out, another thought, says, is that a God thought? Well, so you've taken it into captivity, you've, you've taken hold of it, and then now you determine what you're going to do with that thought. So when it talks about taking something, taking it into captivity, in fact, let me give you some more definition on that word. It means to make captive, to lead away captive, or to bring under control. So what you're doing, you're taking every thought now, and you're bringing it under control. You're saying, all right, I'm not going to think on you, or I'm going to go ahead and keep meditating on you. Come on, somebody. You determine that. Still with me? All right. So, Pastor, that's, that's wonderful. But, I mean, almost all my thoughts are bad thoughts. Now, don't raise your hand, but can you relate? <laughs> I mean, it's like everything coming at me nowadays. It's all bad thoughts. It's just bad, 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 bad. It's everything's bad. It's not, it's not, it's not, it's not of God. Well, so we gotta have to take, we're gonna have to close the door on that mess. So this reference starts talking about how to close the door. If you back up to verse uh, uh, four again, let's go back to verse four. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, okay? See, especially if it's something you've been thinking on for a long time, it's been a problem area in your life, it says here you're called to pull it down, which means to demolish. Now, I'm going to just bring this out to you real quick, and I want to say this to you, all right? There is nothing about this text that's mild-mannered, weak, dainty, precious, penny waste, weak. Are you hearing me? Okay. See, everything about this, if you're going to get, if you're going to determine, okay, about what you're going to make, you're going to have to get serious about it. Okay. You just don't play around with this thing. 
The weapons of warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down. Everybody say pulling down. Hallelujah. Demolishing. Demolition. Destruction. Bringing down fully to the point of extinction. Somebody says, wow, yes. See, you can get aggressive. Come on. But you got to get aggressive about the right stuff. If you, if you have the door open for the wrong stuff to get in, you might still get aggressive, and it's probably going to be aimed in the wrong direction. Still with me. But you're going to have to get aggressive about those thoughts that are wrong. It's not right. But if you're not going to take every thought captive, you're just going to let anything in. And the problem is we got so many things in there that you already need to work on. And I don't mean that as it's some kind of, it's a facts. I mean, you know, you grow up your whole life with, uh, hopefully, anyway, you grow up, you know, with, you know, certain thoughts and, and depending on how you were raised, depending on who, who fed into you, who breathed into you every day. Come on, somebody. You know, you got, you got family, you got friends, you got work partners, you got school, you got, you know, you know whatever. There's all kinds of stuff that goes on. The media, you got uh, radio, you got, uh, you know, you got entertainers, you got movies, you got, we can go on and on and on and stuff. All your life as you're growing up, stuff feeding into you. And you take on thoughts. Some of them gives you a certain pattern of thinking. And so as another thought comes that matches that, it locks on, puts another brick. Okay? That word stronghold, that's what it's referring to. It's, a, it's something that's been built, something that's been there a while. So it just starts building on that. But see, you know, you get born again. And oh my gosh. I can't think like I used to think. I want to. I... Uh, that thing happens, and I have a certain opinions. I have certain thoughts. And, and I'm not even saying that all your opinions are wrong. Please don't walk out saying, Pastor thinks all my opinions are wrong. It, you may have some good opinions, and you may have some not-so-good opinions. You may have some good, some good things established. You might see there are actually good strongholds. Okay, the word work talks about it. There are strongholds that are right, and there are strongholds that are not right. Obviously, in this text, it's talking about those that aren't right. Something that's been built on for years. And, uh, and you may find out that as you get into this thing in God, you may find out that all that stuff you heard growing up was wrong. And so now you're like, you, you got this dilemma. It's like, what do I do with all this stuff? Well, he says you're going to have to pull it down. And you're going to have to get out the sledge and you're going to have to try to tear that thing down. And then you're also going to have to shut the door on things that try to build that back up. See, there are certain things that we've got, you know, certain thought patterns about, maybe about marriage. Okay, you grew up all your life watching those that maybe had no marriage. Worth talking about. No condemnation, it's just a fact. You see that, you learn that, you see how, you know, he talks to her, she talks to him, how that and this and that. Pretty soon you start forming a pattern of thinking. Or how to raise kids, you start forming 
a pattern, how to, how to do your finance. You start forming patterns of thinking. Fear, offense, anger, sadness, depression, all of it comes out of strongholds. And then all of a sudden you find out that God's not giving you a spirit of fear. So that's not good. God says, don't be offended. So that's not good. But here comes another thought that wants to, you know, add to the fear or add to the offense or add to the anger or add to the depression. So you not only have to tear down what's been in there, you have to purpose in your heart. I refuse to let the door stay open with this stuff. I refuse to think of it. I take that thought captive. I say, hey, wait a minute, Mr. Thought. You're not of God. Get out of here. I cast you down. Next verse, casting down. Casting down arguments. The word casting down means to lower with violence, to demolish, go gangsta. Okay. I just want to see if anybody's listening. All right. It means to take down in order to destroy. Ninja. Nothing lives when you're done. Take it out. So you cast down. That word arguments means vain imaginations. Okay? There's nothing wrong with imagination. God gave you imagination, but you know as well as I do, have we have a tendency to use it for the wrong thing? Okay, come on now. Thoughts and reasonings, computations. To sit back and estimate and calculate about everything. That's what it's talking about. You sit there and you're reasoning. God made you, gave you a mind to reason. But if you don't watch it, you're reasoning about the wrong things. Okay, if you're not taking any kind of the word of God and the thoughts of God and things from a God, what God thinks. I mean, it's like this too. You know what I mean? Think about how you can sometimes sit here and think about yourself. And if it ain't God thoughts, pretty soon you see you're, you're insecure, you're fearful, you're upset with you, you hate you. you uh, we can go on and on and on. And the whole time God says, my thoughts towards you are thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Well, I don't feel like I have a future and a hope. Well, my thoughts towards you are thoughts of peace and not of evil. <laughs> well, I don't feel. I don't feel like that. Well, it's time to shut the door on that then. It's time to take that thought, hold it up and go, hey, you foul devil, get out of here. God's thoughts are different than what my thoughts were before. My stronghold might have been about insecurity and fear and all that kind of, down on everybody and down on everything. God says, my thoughts towards you are thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future, to give you a hope. Well, nothing looks hopeful out here. Well, then don't meditate on that. Meditate on what he said. Right? Now, how many believe, I mean, God is able. 
to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ask or think according to what's at work within you. So if what's working in you is you won't shut the door on that mess and keep the door wide open and let all the chaos and all the mess in, then you have to understand that what happens, God's automatically limited. And that rubs some religious people wrong. But it's accurate because he said it's at enmity with God. What you're thinking isn't giving God any room to move in your life. You're warring against him. And now you can't even, the law of God, you're not even subject to it anymore. You can't even get the principles of God working based on the fact you will not shut the door on that mess. Look at your name and say, shut the door. Are you still with me? So you cast down. Amen. So everything's about get 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 aggressive here. Cast down those arguments and every high and every and and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Just means that elevated thing that, that literally refers to a barrier even. And when you look it up, it talks about things, everything from like assumptions, opinions, theories, speculating. But it literally means a barrier. So what it has done, these things come along, and it has a sole purpose of doing this, okay, elevating itself above the knowledge of God. But all it's trying to do is create a barrier. What you think about meditating on will either limit you to what God can do, or it will open you wide up to fulfill all that God's led you, or leading you to do. Thoughts. So if it becomes, if now this high thing's up here, and now you're going to sit and meditate. So no matter what God wants to do, it creates a limit. Just on what you think about. Pastor Jerry says, God, amen, is able to do. Yes, amen, until you go, well, except. You know that area. You know that one thing. You know, God wants to heal you right now and deliver. Yes, I know, but. God would like to bless you and prosper you in this area of your life. Yes, but, you know, um, God's trying to do something, but your thoughts, see, is here, is locked in, so it only can go this far, even though God wants to do so much more. How about verse 6? We better read verse 6. because It says, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Now, Verse uh, 5 here, it, it ends with uh, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Okay, the word obedience means uh, uh, attentive hearkening. It means compliance or submission or obeying, literally hearing to obey kind of a thing. So at verse 6, then it says, and being ready to punish. Everybody say punish. Ready to punish means literally means prepared to retaliate or vindicate. It means made fit for vengeance. And you think, whoa. See, there is nothing about this text that is mild-mannered. It's like if you're going to do this, you're going to have to get serious about it. 
So it says, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. The point, the reason it's worthy of reading this, because just because you make the decision in here today, I'm going to take control of my thoughts, doesn't mean that it's done. It means it's only, it's only just begun to cost you time and energy. And getting in the word to see. You can't just lay down and die. It's only just begun. Is that Helen ready? Is that who sang that? Anyway, whatever. Anyway. Carpenter, that's who it is. Anyway, the point is this. It's only begun. So he's saying this. Okay, you made the decision to do what's right. But now all of a sudden, here comes that thought again. Have you ever made a decision, I'm going to do the right thing, the God thing, and about 13 seconds later, you're doing the wrong thing? <laughs> liar, liar, pants on fire. Anybody done, made the decision to do the right thing, and it probably only took within an hour... See, that's what he's talking about. He says, when you make the decision to get real about this, the enemy don't just lay down. He tries to get you to say, hey, what about this? And you're going, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And all of a sudden, say, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Shut up, devil. What are you doing? Well, I'm, I'm ready to punish all disobedience. When my obedience is fulfilled, in other words, I made the decision to do this right, I'm going to have to get serious about it. I cast down, I demolish. Ha! Whoa! Ha! He! Ha! You feel good, move on, and here it comes again. So that daggone. Whoa! He! Ha! Whoa! What are you doing? Punishing all disobedience. But most of us, our head's like a speed bag. Here comes the thought. And the enemy's just doing this. And we're letting him. Shut the door. Shut the door. Don't let him in. Look at your neighbor and say, shut the door. You got to shut the door. Because if you don't shut the door on that mess, here comes all the chaos. Here comes the ruin. Here comes the destruction. And it really came down to a choice that you made. To not shut the door when you should have. Come down to a point where you just made the decision, I'm going to think on what I want to think on. Come on. Instead of taking every thought captive. Are you with me? Listen, we can go on and on and on. We, we, we even heard some great messages this last week. And one of them was talking, he talked in there about the power of words. But if you ain't going to choose to shut the door on the junk, 
you're going to talk, even though you don't want to, you're going to talk things, and death and life are in the power of the tongue, and you, it's up to you what you're going to think about is going to determine what you're going to think about. Romans 8 brings out real clear uh, about, you know, your, uh, your actions and behavior is going to be based on what you think about. You may say, I don't like acting that way. I don't like behaving that way. But I, I can't stop it. I can't, can't help myself. Yes, you can. But you've got to change what you sit and think about. Choices determine the blessing and the curse. He says, if you will listen, if you will do what I ask, he says, you'll walk in the blessing. But if you don't, then what happens is all this mess starts happening. But see, it's about, it's about what you think about. So it's like, I don't want to do the right thing here. If you only knew what I'm going through, if you only knew what I'm dealing with, if you only knew what's going on, if you only knew what I've been through, if you only... Stop! 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 Nobody's denying that. We're just saying, shut the door, man! Don't let no more in. Don't let no more of that in. Because it's destroying you. You're on a road you got no business being on as a Christian. And now the ruin and the chaos and the death. and Man, you, you're called to life and peace. Decisions. I mean, think about, uh, you know, decisions. I... I know I gave you a bunch more verses back, but just I just think about you know Proverbs thirteen says you hang out with wise men you become wise. Well, see I was talking the same thing. So in other words, what you let in determines how what you decide. You hang out with a fool. I'm just saying. You start doing foolish things. I remember. You know, working in the mill years ago, was, I think at the time I might have been a youth pastor. I don't know. I think I was. And some guy was trying to tell another guy, you know, how to do his marriage. Well, I'll tell you, that was my wife. If that was your wife, she'd leave you. <laughs> Just like the other wife did. And the other one. And the other one. So don't tell me or anybody else how to do marriage. Get saved. Shut the door. Let's get the right stuff going in, and maybe then someday you could. Come on, somebody. We can go on and on and on about all areas of life. Decisions, choices, words, actions, behaviors, all of it comes out of what we sit and think about, what we set our minds on. Look at your name and say, shut the door. Did you get something today? Give the Lord praise, everybody. Come on. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to watch the video of this message, head over to vimeo.com forward slash WO Victory or go to Jerry Roberts Ministry on Roku. For more information about who we are and what we do here at Order Victory, check out the website at wovictory.org. That's wovictory.org. See you there.